Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I'm TK, not joined by Andrew Holly this week. He is on a business trip, but he will be back with us soon. Uh, we are here on the first non-victory Monday of the season. Just kind of a weird game, yeah, kind of a little bit all over the place. The Ravens fell to the Kansas City Chiefs 33-28 to uh, for their first loss of the year. Hopefully their only loss, but, you know, I'll say it's their first loss of the year. Kind of a kind of a weird game, a lot of ups and downs to get through, but we got a lot to cover uh, between the offense, defense, special teams, and uh, looking forward to the first division game of the season as the Cleveland Browns come to town for the Week 4 matchup. So this is going to be a, a little bit different as I kind of just give my opinions here, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of different aspects of the game uh, that I want to touch on, so going to be a little bit different for me here not having Holly but uh, I'll, I'll do my best for you guys so I will start with the offense again just like last week uh, against the Cardinals the offense got off to a tremendous start like really fast you know we're able to get the ball down the field uh, very quickly they established a really strong power run game uh, with Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, and um, Lamar was able to make some nice throws and, you know, scored a touchdown on the opening drive. And all of a sudden, you think, you know, hey, we're in business here. I mean, this this offense might be humming again. And then uh, kind of fell off. You know, didn't really hear from much from them uh, from there on out uh, until the second half. So, you know, it... Um, not great. Not great to see that. You know, we would like to see them be a little bit more consistent, especially against an offense that we know is going to be consistent. And, you know, they're going to put up points on the other side, the Chiefs. Um, so not having that consistent pressure that the offense was was putting on and, and you know, continuing to add points uh, ended up putting them in a hole uh, a little bit. And, uh, you know, just, just wasn't enough time, not enough juice to uh, bring it back at the end. But like I said, in that second half, Lamar got going a little bit. They reestablished the ground game that they had on the first drive. And I think that was really the key to uh, have Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards run really well. And Mark Ingram had a fantastic game yesterday. I thought he was really, really good, averaging almost seven yards a carry. Gus Edwards was averaging more than seven yards a carry. And, you know, obviously Ingram had the three touchdowns. Uh, but I think their presence, uh, after after being a little bit forgotten about in that Cardinals game, uh, the way that they were able to have their impact on the Chiefs, you know, who do have an improved defense. I mean, it's not a fantastic defense, but definitely a lot better than last year. You know, the the ground game showed up for sure. And there was only four designed runs for Lamar and, and you know, he had a few scrambles. Otherwise, yeah, I thought the ground game, I, I was really impressed with them. Uh, especially in some of the zone schemes, just, you know, stretching outside a little bit. So I, I think that's a really good sign and something that needs to continue as we go forward because as we saw in that first half, Lamar Jackson's not going to be perfect. Uh, I think he was really good in that second half, especially the fourth quarter, making some plays with his feet. Um, some questionable decisions by him, you know, the the throw to Sneed, you know, not not the throw that I would advise him making too often. I thought he was really good in that fourth quarter and, and really got back to what we had come to expect through the first two games. But that first half, he was just kind of off. You know, he was he was missing some throws. You know, the two that stand out to me were um, to Hayden Hurst over the middle. It was near the goal line, maybe at the five-yard line or so. But he, Hayden Hurst had found a little bit of space uh, in the middle of the Chiefs' defense. 
And then the other one that stands out to me is to Hollywood Brown along the sideline in the end zone and just overthrew him a little bit. So like we said last week, it's not going to be a perfect passer rating every week. He is going to miss some throws just like every other quarterback in the league. And, you know, he seems to be under a little bit stronger of a magnifying glass when that happens. But I think that he was able to utilize his his ability to run the ball and ability to avoid pressure to make some plays and really keep the team in the game. And if you look at it with no context, I guess, and observe some of the plays that Lamar was making out on the edge, his touchdown run was ridiculous. He made those two defenders at the goal line look silly. He had another little scamper for a first down that, you know, put the defender on skates. So every week he shows you how special he is. And, you know, the the Chiefs were effusive. You know, Tyron Matthew, a really respected veteran in the league, was effusive in his praise of Lamar. And if it, like I was starting to say, if you kind of remove the other context from the game, he ends up with, you know, almost 300 yards, a touchdown, and no turnovers. And for a quarterback who hasn't even made 16 starts yet, he hasn't even started a full season yet, that's a pretty good stat line. And I think we would do well to remember his relative lack of experience and just how young he is. I mean, he's a 22-year-old kid, and, and you know that's still a really good game on the road in Kansas City going up against a, an offense that really puts a lot of pressure on the opposing offense because the opposing offense knows that they need to put up points as well. So uh, with those things in mind, I, I still am not down on Lamar about this performance at all. Would you want a little bit more? Of course. You know, 8 for 19 for, what was it, 75 or 80 yards in the first half? Usually not going to cut it, especially against Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. So, yeah, it, like not perfect. Definitely not going to be his his best game of the year and if this is his worst game of the year I think that's pretty good uh so so if this is Lamar's floor we go on the road and we lose to the Chiefs by one score then uh then that's pretty solid uh the other big question mark for the Ravens uh which kind of snuck up on me was the was the health of Mark Andrews the Andrews and he had a he had a foot thing that he was dealing with last week and you know I thought he was just following his normal practice schedule by missing Friday but it really came down to a game time decision but even though he didn't start he was the last tight end to enter the game he ended up playing the normal amount of snaps that he usually would and he wasn't as productive in this game along with Hollywood Brown who who only had two receptions but he did have nine targets Um, Mark Andrews had three receptions but he only but he had seven targets it's becoming more and more apparent that a third option in the air is going to be a little bit necessary. You know, you see all these snaps that Willie Sneed and Seth Roberts get. And, um, you know, I have the numbers here. Willie Sneed was on the field for 59 out of 83 snaps. And Seth Roberts was out there for 52 out of 83 snaps. And, you know, they don't really have too big of an impact in the stat sheet, I mean, Snead has three catches for 47 yards, including that incredible one on the third down. And then, you know, Seth Roberts has two catches for 37. And he had a really nice catch, too, which 
might have even been offensive pass interference, but, you know, we won't really talk about that much. I think there needs to be somebody else that can make a difference uh, through the air because it seems like teams are kind of locking in and, and really figuring out that Lamar likes to look to these two guys in particular. So if, if there can be another viable option out there, um, you know, really haven't seen as much of Chris Moore that I thought we would this year. Um, somebody has to prove themselves. And Nick Boyle actually led the team in, in receptions yesterday. So maybe he's the guy, another tight end to take some pressure off of and take some pressure and attention off of the Mandrews and Hollywood. So, uh, you know, that's just one of my observations. We're not going to have three all pro receivers out there. You know, you know, I, I, after the preseason, I thought a guy like Miles Boykin would be a lot more involved as well because of his size and his speed. Um, you know, that's something that the Ravens were looking for in the draft. You know, we were looking for speed to be able to get separation so that Lamar can get them, get them the ball, or we were looking for size. So a big catch radius for Lamar to be able to get them the ball. Miles Boykin has both. And, you know, he just hasn't had the impact that I thought he would um, early on in the season. So look for more of him, maybe a, a little bit of more Boyle, and, you know, we can see who else can step up to the plate and, and be a weapon in this offense. One of the keys that I had pointed out last week was the time of possession, and this was the third game in a row, actually, that the Ravens won the time of possession. Uh, they had the ball for about 32 minutes and change uh, against the Chiefs' 27 minutes and change. And we ran more plays than the Chiefs did, but the Chiefs were just more explosive and more efficient in theirs. Um, you know, we were able to get into the end zone. It just wasn't enough this time. You know, that winning that time of possession battle, maybe it needed to be a little bit more drastic than that. And I, I think they, like I said, running the ball definitely had to do a lot with this. And, uh, you know, extending some of the drives by going, going forward on fourth down, uh, you know, it obviously helps the time of possession as well. And maybe that's where I can I can jump into one of the main things that are being discussed uh, today in, in Ravens Nation is John Harbaugh's aggressiveness on fourth down and his aggressiveness on the two-point conversions. So for, for a little bit of background, before the season, the Ravens made several hires in their front office uh, to add some analytics people. And, you know, if you're a Baltimore sports fan, if you're an Orioles fan, you know that the front office there is also now very analytics-driven. Now, the Ravens' general manager, Eric DaCosta, has also had a, had a really good relationship with the Orioles' assistant general manager, Sig Mejdal. So the analytics kind of scene is very strong up top in, in Baltimore. Now, you know, through some articles that I've, that I've read by Jeff Zriebeck and other guys, you know, I'm not an insider or anything like that, but it seems like that way of thinking, that analytical way of thinking and trusting the numbers and, and looking at, using the numbers to help make the decision-making process easier uh, in high-leverage situations has really trickled down, and John Harbaugh has really grasped that. You know, the other teams like the Eagles and, and Doug Peterson are really analytically driven as well. So that's where the decisions come into play. You know, what, what do the charts say? What is, our, what is our chance of success? How does our win probability change based on if we 
punt it away here or or if we go for it and get it or if we go for it and don't get it. And that's where a lot of the things come into play. Now, John Harbaugh in his presser today said that, yeah, he, he gets the numbers every time and, and the analytics people are still upset with him because he doesn't follow them as much as they would like him to. So he does still have that old school uh, coach kind of idea where he where he feels the direction of the game and the situation and, you know, he makes his calls like that. But it was very apparent on Sunday that those analytical decisions or, or the, the data that he had was pushing him to be more aggressive. And, he, like, you have to be aggressive against Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, and that offense because you need to continue to score. And you don't score by punting the ball away. So that kind of explains the fourth downs and going for those. Now, the two-point conversions, I, I, I am a little bit more not as clear on, but I, I think I'm with Harbaugh on these as well, especially when you go down 11. Um, you know, that was the time at which everybody was a little bit surprised that you don't kick the field goal there uh, to make it a 10-point game instead of trying to make it a 9-point game. And basically the idea is if you can make it a 9-point game, you still need two stops for the Chiefs, and, and you need to score both times. Now, if you take the extra point and make it a 10-point game, uh, you know, that's basically playing with the plan to tie the game. So then not only do you need the same two stops on defense, but you need to score 10 points. You need to get to overtime, and then you need to stop them one more time in overtime um, unless you score a touchdown first. So just a lot more needs to go right in the case that you cut it to a 10-point lead instead instead of trying to cut it to 9. And, you know, it was... It didn't work out, but I think I agree with the thought process there. So there's there's going to be more like that as we go along this season. There's going to be things that seem to go against traditional football uh, behavior from a coach, from, from a head coach in that decision-making process. But I think it's really important for Ravens fans to realize that Harbaugh is going to try to maximize the win probability in each situation. And that aggressiveness is going to continue. Now, the play calls and the execution on those plays is, is a totally different matter. I, <laughs> those plays did not look good from the start, you know, on, on the th- two-point conversions at least. So, you know, you got to clean that up, but having the decision to go for it is not necessarily something that I am, you know, banging my head against the wall on. Because in, if you think about it in that way, it really does make sense. So, offensively, I think the overall picture is just a little bit more consistency. You know, it, when you start hot, like having another quarter and a half or wh- whatever it was in which you don't score again, especially against a top flight team like the Chiefs, is going to be tough. But what they were able to do, especially in that fourth quarter, is kind of where we need to be. You know, there were some big plays, there were some chunk plays. And that ground game, again, became very important. It was the, the baseline for the offense, like something that, you could, that they could rely on yesterday. So if they are able to establish that again, you know, the Ravens are able to run the ball in so many different ways. But to keep Ingram and Gus Edwards uh, involved like that, I, I felt was very important. 
and something that I hope continues. I guess we'll flip it over to the defense now. Uh, it was it was a tough day. It was a tough day for the defense. And and if you look at it in a certain light, holding Pat Mahomes to three touchdowns, you know, actually not bad. But then when you consider what what uh, Lashawn McCoy was able to do and that the Ravens defense gave up over 500 yards on offense it, during the day, it, it it starts to sour a little bit. So I think all three levels of the defense have something to work on. You know, if we start up front, I, and, and this has a lot to do with the packages that the Ravens were in, a lot of nickel and a lot of dime to have more um, pass defenders in the secondary. But um, because of these formations, the Ravens weren't really able to get a real consistent pass rush going against uh, Pat Mahomes. And because of those the formations that they were in, they were usually only rushing four guys. And we said before the season, if you can get pressure with four guys, and you know you say this every year across every team, every week, if you're able to get pressure with four guys on the quarterback and rush him a little bit, He's going to get uncomfortable, and he's not going to be able to play the game that he wants to play. The Ravens rushed four guys yesterday and were not able to do that. And uh, John Harbaugh was very critical of some of the young pass rushers on the team, particularly Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams. And those guys have been under the microscope since the beginning of the offseason. And in the preseason, Tim Williams was really good, you know, really turning some heads. And Tyus Bowser was solid, but it seems like they have come back down to their quiet, um, kind of non, not as big of factors um, kind of play here. And, and you know, that's not really going to be sustainable. Um, you know, Holly and I correctly predicted Jalen Ferguson's activation. Uh, he was on the field for only nine snaps and not really all that good. Um, I think maybe he's he just wasn't ready or, you know, is still a little bit raw as a player. So maybe he needs a little bit more time. But the young pass rushers, I mean, Matt, behind Matt Judon and, and Pernell McPhee, there really isn't much there. And there really, really needs to be because Pernell McPhee is, is up there in age. And I'm not sure that his uh, he's going to be durable enough or is he going to be continually effective if he has too many snaps on the field you know I really saw him more as a situational player rather than a guy who's out there for you know 70 80 percent of the snaps I you know I think the Ravens would also would like his usage to be a little bit less and and be able to rotate on these younger pass rushers uh, to help him out but it's just not happening right now. It's something that they really need to figure out because otherwise you can see what, what good quarterbacks can do. I mean, the Ravens' secondary is, is one of the better ones in in the league, and this, despite these injuries, I, I really do think they are still one of the better secondaries with, with some of the talent that they have out there. But you see what teams are able to do if you're not able to rush the quarterback. So you got to figure that out. You know, that's probably one of the more obvious issues on this defense the next level the middle linebackers I guess you know I was including the outside linebackers up front but the middle linebackers I really wasn't happy with the way that they played seems like they were out of position quite a bit they were they were over over pursuing or they were biting on the on play action passes and and allowing Travis Kelsey to make catches over the middle so my 
theory, my hot take last week of you know adding a tight end to the field to allow the the linebackers and the safeties to play better didn't really didn't really pan out. So yeah, that one's on me. But I think the linebackers just have to be better in, in pass coverage. You know, our, our guy C.J. Mosley got a lot of flack last year uh, and and throughout his whole career with the Ravens about not being the greatest uh, pass coverage guy. But, you know, you, you kind of see what you're missing with Mosley on on, the, on a day like this, you know, especially in the screen game, especially in play action and things like that. You know, things that he usually would diagnose is is kind of what I missed yesterday. So I, I think guys like Peanut and Chris Board and Kenny Young still have a lot of work to do. They got, they got a long way to go. But luckily, we're not playing the Chiefs every week. So there are opportunities to improve. There are games in which there will be a little bit less pressure on them. But this tape is out there now, and teams may continue to attack that part of the field because of what they saw the Chiefs do. So kind of a double-sided coin there, but... You know, like I said, you're not. You don't have to face Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes every week. So we'll see what they, how they're able to adjust and improve. But I think they need to be a little bit more disciplined in both facets, uh, rush defense and pass defense. And I think that'll go a long way helping the secondary as well. And now let's talk about that secondary. Earl Thomas made a bold claim that he's going to shut down all the big plays. Um, that didn't really happen. You know, 87-yard touchdown to Michael Hardman. Uh, I would consider that one a big play and just seemed like there were a few people out of position on that one. And I think that was that's kind of the microcosm of the game. You had Maurice Kennedy kind of leave Hardman. You had uh, Earl Thomas kind of bite down on another route and Tony Jefferson was late coming over. Or maybe that wasn't even his responsibility to come over and he was just pursuing. But either way, wide open, up the seam, goes for a long touchdown. So it's clear that there was some sort of miscommunication there, and you can see that happening um, other times to give up big chunk plays as well. So they got some cleanup to do there. And, and honestly, next week it doesn't get all that much easier with Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, and Jarvis Landry coming to town because you, you can see what the Chiefs' speed uh, does to teams. And you know we got a firsthand look yesterday. OBJ and, and Jarvis Landry are pretty fast too, so they're going to put the pressure on. They're going to keep the pressure on, especially with an aggressive quarterback like Mayfield. So, things to clean up there too. I'm not panicking about the defense, not just yet. I think that you know, with with a lot of new pieces, they are talented new pieces, and it's still early. This is only the third game, and they had to face the best offense that we've seen. Uh, in the past two years, if, if not even more than that, most explosive offense for sure. Now, one of the things that did end up happening is as our normally stout run defense uh, was gashed a little bit. You know, they 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 had LaShawn McCoy and Daryl Williams average almost seven yards a carry, and that's just something you're not used to seeing. Uh, Ravens defense give up, and and I'm, I'll go back to the packages that we had out there. We just had smaller packages. We were looking to stop the pass, and in those situations, they were able to run it. I mean, the the pass to set up the run instead of the run setting up the pass. You know, it, it, they kind of work in tandem for the Chiefs, and you know they were pretty much able to get whatever they wanted 
uh, through the air or on the ground. Again, 500 yards is quite a bit. And I, you know, I don't have this stat in front of me, but I can't remember the last time the Ravens gave up that many yards. Uh, they gave up six plays of 20 yards or more. It, just things that you can't expect to give up and, and win games. So there is there is some cleanup to do for sure. I think they'll work pretty hard at that because this is a division game coming up. All that all that stuff that that needs to get cleaned up. The Browns know about it too, so they're gonna they're gonna be coming to you know the Browns know about it too, and they're gonna have to figure it out sooner rather than later uh, against another pretty decent offense. The other gripe that I had with with this game uh, was a little bit of the officiating, and it's probably been really well documented. But the one thing that I wanted to talk about was the defensive pass interference call on Tony Jefferson. Uh, on that play, it was in the third quarter and would have really changed the momentum of that game, I think, in that, in that third quarter, is Brandon Carr comes away with an interception and Tony Jefferson is called for questionable, ticky-tack, however you want to say it. I don't think it was pass interference. And with the new rule, with the ability to challenge pass interference, you would think that's one that you challenge. You know, in the red zone, somewhere, a play in which you get the ball back and, you know, try to steal some momentum, that seems like one that you would like to challenge. However, the Ravens have already seen a challenge go awry. Against the Cardinals, they challenged a defender coming over, and it wasn't overturned, and the Ravens lost a timeout. In that situation in the game, the Ravens could not afford to lose a timeout because, you know, they were used later on in the fourth quarter to try to stop the clock, and, you know, we almost ended up in a situation in which it might work out. But, you know, you can't challenge that because you don't know you don't really know how the challenge works and there's just not enough information out there on that. So it's a potentially huge play that gets called poorly. You have a new rule to help overturn some of those poor calls, but you still can't do it because you just don't know. So I don't know. I'm just not a fan of this pass interference challenge rule. Maybe as time goes on, it'll get a little bit clearer as to, you know, how the challenges are going to work and, what is going to be able to get some of these things overturned. But right now, I think it's kind of a mess. I don't think anybody really knows what is going on with that. And it's really a shame because if you're going to implement something, implement it right. Nobody knows how to use this rule. And it's kind of just an overreaction to one play that happened last year. So overall, not a fan. Um, The defense definitely has a lot to figure out. And I'm sure Wink Martindale will have some ideas. I think he would be he would be well off getting the pressure back on and dialing up some of these blitzes rather than sitting back in coverage. Um, but you know he's the expert. That's just my opinion. I think his defenses are at their best when he's mixing up and disguising the defense and mixing up blitzes. And um, I hope they get back to that to to get after Baker Mayfield a little bit. So with that, you know, I'll give out my game ball. You know, even though it's a loss, I think Mark Ingram deserves a game ball. Three touchdowns, over 100 yards rushing. You know, definitely reintroduced himself after being a little bit quieter last week. So game ball goes to Mark Ingram. And I think he and Gus Edwards 
deserve the uh, pop of the week as well. You know, they're just running so angry yesterday and breaking through tackles and, and really, really effective against that Chiefs run defense. So they get uh, the game ball and the pop of the week. So now let's look forward quickly to the Cleveland Browns. They sit at one and two. They had all the hype coming into this season. They lose to the Rams at home on Sunday Night Football. And I guess that's the good news, is that the Ravens lost. You know, I had a pretty good feeling. I think a lot of ha- people had a really good feeling that the Ravens would be sitting at 2-1 and one coming into uh, Week 4. So the Ravens are right where they want to be. It's the Browns that are not where they want to be. And, you know, they sit at 1-2. and two. They have their second home loss of the season. And um, kind of reeling right now, and, and a lot of pressure on Freddie Kitchens and, and his team uh, to kind of bounce back here, but it really doesn't get any easier for them uh, when they come to M&T Bank Stadium. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about their play calling. Uh, I think that David and Joku being out is a big loss for their offense. I, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield operates a lot better with Njoku on the field, so... Losing him, I, I think it's a neck problem that he had, or, or I, I think I saw him fall weirdly on his neck last week. But um, you know he's out, so the Ravens aren't going to have that big time tight end to deal with this time. But they are going to have Odell Beckham Jr. to deal with, and they're going to have uh, Jarvis Landry to deal with. And, and you know we found out last year that with with Baker Mayfield at the helm, they are. Certainly a handful. Uh, you know, we, we didn't we didn't really uh, handle Jarvis Landry very well, and now having OBJ on the other side is going to be a challenge as well. the The ground game is pretty effective uh, with Nick Chubb back there. You know, he's he's a second year player. He's a really really talented player, and he also catches the ball out of the backfield. So he's a, he's a three down kind of back for them, and who can be very dangerous as well. The one weakness that they do have is up front. You know, they, they don't have the best offensive line in the league, and I think that's where that's where a lot of Baker Mayfield's struggles this year so far ha- have come from, or his discomfort in the pocket. And that's why I kind of want Wink Martindale to dial up those blitzes again. Confuse him, confuse the offensive line, get some pressures on him, get him moving uh, out to the side or backwards a little bit where he, you know, he, he's not as mobile as, as a guy like Pat Mahomes or, or Lamar are, so he's not going to be able to escape as effectively, and you know, making him throw on the run might make him a little bit more susceptible to some mistakes. So if they can keep the pressure on, it obviously helps all those coverage issues that I discussed a little bit earlier. But again, maybe maybe we'll move to the bulletin board. That's got to come from young guys like Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams, you know, they got called out pretty hard by their own coach today. I'm going to call them out too. They really, really need to have some meaningful snaps in this game because, you know, Pernell McPhee is effective in short spurts in, in his specialized role. If he's out there every down that end, at the end of the game where it might be most important, he's not going to be as effective. They need to be able to rotate these guys in to be effective on the pass rush. You know, even if it's not getting getting all the way there. I mean, maybe they force some holding penalties to, to make uh, negative game scripts for the, for the Browns or just making Mayfield uncomfortable in general is, is just, just as effective, you know? So 
those two guys really, really need to step up, and I think they will because I don't, I'm not sure that Harbaugh's ever called out two specific players like that uh, for their play. So they got to figure it out soon, or, or there might be a change that happens, and uh, it, it may not be good for either one of them. So they are on my bulletin board. The On the offensive side, I just need a little bit more consistency. Now, the, the Browns' defense is also much improved. You know, through three games, they're top 10 in both rushing yards allowed and passing yards allowed. So they don't give up a ton of yards. They have allowed 22 points per game, which is just in the middle of the pack of the league. And I know it's only three games, but it seems like their defense is improved. You know, we're not going to be able to run all over them like we were we were expecting last year. But I do think that establishing Mark Ingram and uh, Gus Edwards is really important because, again, using the run to set up the pass, allowing for that play-action pass that Lamar was so effective with in, in week one and week two and in the fourth quarter of this game, you know, that really is where he he can be the most successful. So if they can use some of these same run, run concepts to, you know, go after guys like Miles Garrett, who I think is a terrific player, and, you know, run at him and not let him come up the field in the pass rush, then, uh, you know, we'll be a lot, a lot more effective. And they kind of have a banged up secondary as well in this game against the Rams. Uh, they didn't have a single one of their starters in the secondary start. So they're a little bit banged up. I think there are some susceptibilities there, even though the defense is improved. Uh, you know, I think there are some ways in which the Ravens can attack. And I think it really starts with the ground game uh, as, as we have come to expect um, with this Ravens team. So that's kind of my overview of the game. It, it'll be interesting to see this new look Browns team in, in their first uh, divisional game at Baltimore. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a crucial game because if the Ravens win, they'll be sitting at three and one, the, the Browns will be at one and three. And even if the Steelers win, they'll be at one and three. If the Bengals win, they'll be at one and three. So the Ravens will have a comfortable two game advantage and really be in the catbird seat of the division. If not, we'll have we'll have the Browns and the Ravens at two and two, with the Browns getting that divisional tiebreaker, so they'll technically be in first place in the division. So could it could prove to be a really, really important early game because of that fact, you know, do you bury the Browns early on and make them play catch up and the, all the pressure's on them? Or, you know, does it even out and all of a sudden both teams are neck and neck? So that is my, you know, one-person review here, a recap of the Chiefs game. You know, it's always tough to do a, a podcast after a loss. You know, it, you know, it's easy to talk about all the things that went well in a win, but when you talk about a loss, it's a little bit difficult, a little bit more difficult. But, um, you know, hopefully the Ravens can get back on track. I'm going to predict a 27-24 to 24 Ravens win next week as the Browns come to town. For Andrew Holly, who unfortunately couldn't be with us today. Holly, uh, looking forward to having you back. I'm TK. This was Crab Takes and Football. Go Ravens. <laughs>